Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Once again, we want to welcome you to Milestone Church. I want to welcome those of you watching online with us as well. Well, you can tell it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas around here, and we have so many great things coming up for you in the month of December. We do everything we can as a team to make it as simple and as easy as possible for you to bring friends, family, loved ones, neighbors, because here's what we're praying. We're praying and we're believing as a team that the greatest gift any of us could receive is that someone in our lives, someone that we go to work with or lives in our neighborhood or is a family member, someone that we love could enter into a relationship, a dynamic, life-changing, eternity-changing relationship with God. We believe it's going to happen. We believe it's going to happen in the people in your lives, in the people in our community, and that history will be different because of that. So we put a lot of emphasis and energy and work. And I know many of you have already been serving. Thank you so much for serving. Thank you those of you who will serve. We like to say we're everyone church. It's not just about what happens on the platform. It's about what happens throughout our environments that makes this such a great time. You know, we have our women's event, Joy. We have an extra service. There'll be a Christmas series, as you can see. There'll be special music, all kinds of festivities, because it's a celebration worth having. We, we all realize this, right? Because I'm sure your life is a lot like my life, and it seems like as soon as, maybe even before you're done eating Thanksgiving, things just start rolling. I mean, like, people are getting out decorations. It's like, let's get a tree. It's like my, my daughter said, Dad, I can fully listen to Christmas music without being ashamed, even though I know she's been listening to it since July. <laughs> and so everything starts happening. You maybe, dads, you, you know what's coming, dads. You're up on the roof putting lights up there, you know. You're, you're, you're at family pictures, right, which is always a great time for everyone. Um, but it's worth it, right, moms? You're right, it's worth it. You get those great pictures that you love looking back on. But what's gonna happen is, as we move into the season, we're gonna be giving and serving and spending and going out to Christmas parties and getting all kinds of events and all kinds of stuff, time, energy, money is going to be going out of our lives. The question is, what's gonna come back in? Because really, as human beings, we're designed as containers. We're all containers. Why do we do all of these things around the Christmas season? Because it's festive, but we're chasing a moment. We're chasing a sense of peace. We're chasing that special, incredible family moment when everything seems right. And the truth is, it's not just during that time of the year. We're always chasing this need to be filled. See, because we're containers for all kinds of things. We, we contain hopes and dreams and passions and emotions and, and longings. And we're really good at feeling empty in those areas. The question is, do we know how to be filled? The great news is God knows we're this way because he made us this way. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at a really significant moment in the Bible, a really significant moment in the history of the Christian faith. But on your way to Acts 2, I want to give you a little bit of a, of a hope, a little bit of a promise from Jesus. If you didn't bring your Bible, it's okay. It's there in your notes. We'll put it up on the screens. Those of you following online, you'll be able to see it as well. But Jesus knows 
how we're made. He knows how we're designed. He knows the things that we wrestle with. I love that about him. For as incredible, for as divine, for as other as he truly is, at the same time, he's so deeply acquainted with our longings, with our needs. He knows how to speak to our hearts. Look what he said here in Matthew chapter 5 when he's just starting his ministry. He says, blessed are those who hunger. Really, when you need to be filled, when there's a longing in your heart, what a great way to describe it is hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. What an incredible promise. You know, there's all kinds of ways he could have qualified it. He could have said, blessed are those who are perfect. Blessed are those who are intellectually gifted. Blessed are those who do a lot of spiritual activity. Blessed are those who are talented. Blessed are those who are gifted. But he doesn't use any of those qualifiers. Instead, he comes back to this one simple condition. Who's going to be filled? Those who are hungry. That word righteousness there, I know that may seem like a church word. It may seem religious. Really, righteousness is a legal term that just means that you're at right, you're at right standing with God. Meaning that when you come to God, you don't feel ashamed. You don't feel like he's angry with you. You don't feel guilty. You don't feel like you have to leave. You don't feel like he wants nothing to do with you. Righteousness means, you know, he loves you. He's for you. He's with you. He wants to be with you. And God says, if you want to be filled, all you got to do is be hungry. Let's be honest. It's a pretty good week to talk about being hungry. I don't know about you, but Thanksgiving is one of my favorite meals of the year. I look forward to it. I've got all different kind of strategies. You know, you don't eat much that morning to kind of store up room. Some people will tell you, like the athletes in the room will tell you, no, no, you got to eat, get that metabolism cranking so that you can eat more. I don't know. I've tried both strategies. I don't know how much of a difference they make. All I know is I always have this moment every Thanksgiving where my appetite for this amazing meal comes into conflict with my physical limitations. And I start to get sad that I'm enjoying it so much, but it's going to be over soon. So I start doing stretches. I start, you know, you try to figure out how do I make this last longer? Because I just love it. I just love that feeling of that great meal. Now, I warn you, if you're like me and you, and listen, you might be like, well, Pastor Jed, it sounds like you got a little issue with gluttony. Well, I don't choose to see it that way. <laughs> what you may call gluttony, I call abundant gratitude in my heart that I honor God by eating with great zeal. That's kind of how I would <laughs> describe that situation. I'll leave it to you to figure out which one of those things it really is, probably somewhere in between. But... I have teenagers in my house that love social media. And so that's a dangerous combination. Because I thought, you know, it's family Thanksgiving. It's a safe space. I may or may not have said after Thanksgiving meal, I may or may not have said, man, my jeans shrunk. Anybody got any sweatpants? It's just an honest moment of reflection. Little did I know that my teenage daughter would capture that quote and post it on social media for all of her friends. Here's the point. You ever been really, really hungry and you've had too many options and so nothing sounds good? Have you ever been really hungry 
So hungry that you really start to get grumpy and angry and maybe a little hangry, as I sometimes will get. So hungry that when you finally do eat, you actually kind of look more like an animal than a human being when you're eating because you just have to get satisfied. Either way, here's the amazing thing. Our bodies, the way God designed us, no matter how much we eat or overeat, that feeling of being full only lasts so long. And in the same way, maybe everything goes perfect. You create the perfect, most Norman Rockwell-esque holiday moments. You have the greatest time around the family. All the family comes back, and by a miracle of God, no one talks politics or sports. Everyone loves each other. You get so many great pictures. Everybody gets the exact right gift. Everybody has a holly jolly Christmas and a happy new year. No matter how great that may be, if it's not the holidays, maybe you have the perfect promotion, maybe you have the most romantic, maybe the perfect someone comes into your life. Sooner or later, the feeling fades. The decorations go back in the box. You look back and you say, what happened to that feeling? I'm no longer full. I'm empty. What do you do in that moment? We're much better at being empty than being full, which brings us to Acts chapter 2. Before we look at it, I want us to understand, just really quickly, I'm going to bridge the gap from Matthew 5 to Acts 2. In Matthew 5, Jesus is just starting his ministry. He spends about three years preaching and doing miracles and healing people and making disciples. By the end of that three-year time, he's over and over communicated to the disciples. Guys, I'm training you because I'm going to die. And when I die, I'm going to come back to life. But then I'm going to go be with the Father. and I'm going to go away. And he makes a crazy statement. He said, once this really becomes real, that last week, they're starting to freak out. And they're like, Jesus, why do you keep saying you're going to leave? He said, but it's okay. When I leave, it's going to be even better because I'm going to send my spirit to you. And they can't really figure out what he's talking about. And then it happens exactly the way he says it would. He goes and he dies. He's raised to life again. He breathes on them, gives them the Holy Spirit. He, he instructs them about advancing, taking this gospel of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. He gives them this mission. He's like, you're going to build the church. It's going to be amazing. He, he, he gives them hope. And then he tells them very clearly, guys, you're going to do all of these things, but don't go until my spirit comes in power. When that happens, then you can go and do everything that I've called you to do. And so at the beginning there of Acts 1, they remember, they're gathered together, they remember what Jesus said, beginning of Acts 2, that power comes, the Bible says that they're filled with the Holy Spirit. It uses this terminology eight more times in the book of Acts. We know it's not just this one moment, this moment is significant, but this moment is repeated throughout the course of their lives. You see it as this picture of to live the Christian life. This better that Jesus talked about is this moment where you're filled with the Spirit. Sometimes that language is difficult for us depending upon our church background or our spiritual background. But we see this pattern over and over. In fact, it becomes such a commotion, everybody starts asking these disciples, what is going on with you? And in response to the question, Peter begins to explain what's going on. And before I think he even realizes it, he starts preaching his first sermon the first church service takes place, and there in the midst of this moment of power of being filled from the Spirit, the church is born, and history is forever changed. 
Look with me at the end of Peter's comments here, Acts 2.37, 2.36. We're going to start here in 36. He says this, Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. Now, I want to make this clear. This is, we're only talking about a short period of time since Jesus was on a cross, bloody, beaten. It, everyone was talking about it. Everyone saw it. Peter is talking to the people who hadn't just heard about it. They were there. And he's going, let me explain to you what happened. Look what he says. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. That's pretty intense. That's not seeker-sensitive. He's basically saying, this Jesus wasn't just a good moral teacher. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't like another version of Elijah. He was the promised Messiah. He was Lord. God made him Lord. He can't be anything less than God made him. And yet, you killed him. Think how incredible. What, this is the same guy who denied Jesus to a servant girl. Now, after this filling of the Holy Spirit, he's saying this incredibly confrontational, true statement to this group of people. And you would have to imagine that they're going to get angry, that they're going to get upset, that they're going to turn on him. But watch instead what happens. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Something happened here in this moment. God's presence was so with them. It was so clear to them. What had been very just mysterious and abstract now had become real to the point where they didn't understand everything. They didn't understand all that was happening. All they knew was what Peter was saying was true. God was there in that moment, and they were willing to respond. They were living out what Jesus said about who would be filled, those who would hunger and thirst. Not those who understood everything, not those who were perfect, but those who were open. Look what he says. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive. That makes sense, right? Repent, baptism, if you've spent any time around church, no matter your background, you understand, okay, what happens when you hear the message of the gospel? Well, we're supposed to repent and we're supposed to be baptized. That all makes sense. It's this last part I think we skip over, but this last part is so key. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That gift he's talking about, which one chapter earlier, the gift is equated with power. The gift is equated with after you've given your life to Christ, this power comes on you. Look what it says. The promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. You're saying, Jed, why, why are you making such a big deal about this? Isn't this church history? Isn't this ancient history? Well, it certainly is both of those things. But if you notice the language that Peter uses, for you, for your children, for all who are far off, and for all whom the Lord our God will call. If you're here today, you have a relationship with Jesus, or even if you feel him calling you, or present to you, if you feel like God's in your life and he's trying to talk with you, then that all is you. 
that all is you. You are who Peter was talking about. You say, who's this gift for? Because here I think what happens a lot of times is we think, well, the gift of the Holy Spirit and that kind of power and to be filled in that way is for a few really special, maybe for pastors or for missionaries or people who have the gift. And what I want you to see is what Jesus is saying, what Peter's saying, what's been the Christian life from the very beginning is not for a few special people. This gift, this power is not just for a few who've done all the right things who come from the right background, who didn't make the wrong choices. No, this gift, this power, this ability to be filled is available to all of us. Here's how I like to say it. God understands your need to be filled. And God's answer for your need to be filled is the Holy Spirit. Present, active, moving in your life as often and as regular as you have need. I like to say it this way, you can have as much of God as you want. That may seem like a simple statement, but the reason that that's true is because the Holy Spirit is present and active and available. Now, I know what many of us think, we start talking about the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, and you start thinking, I didn't know this was one of those churches, because maybe you've been on YouTube or you've watched Christian TV. You're like, is he going to bring out the banners and start dancing? Now, I will say this. I have been in services where there are banners and dancing, and I have done that. So as a gift to you, I will allow you to mentally imagine what that might look like in your mind. I know we get a little nervous. We get a little uncomfortable. We don't really know, what does that mean? What's that going to look like? You know, God I'm comfortable with, Jesus I'm comfortable with, but doesn't the Holy Spirit kind of get weird sometimes? And really, I think that's the, the strategy of the enemy from keeping God's people from experiencing the power and the ongoing filling that's available to all of us. You might say, well, Jed, that's easy for you to say, you, you know, you, your experience is different than mine. Well, not really. I grew up in a great home with a mom and dad who loved God and who trained me to love the Bible and to read the Bible, but we grew up American Baptist. Now, you may not know what that is. One of my pastors and mentors likes to say it this way, that the American Baptist is the West Coast cousin of the Southern Baptists. We might be a little bit more liberal, and uh, we, we might not be as hardcore as you guys, but here's what I know is, as a Baptist, we loved the Word. We had a reverence for God, but to be honest, we didn't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. I was talking with my mom and dad last night, and thinking back as a small child, I think we talked more about the rapture than the Holy Spirit. And so I didn't know a lot. I liked him. I was open to him. I just didn't know what he did. He was just kind of there. Until I was in high school, or junior high, high school, I had a friend who got radically saved, and he goes, Jed, come to this camp with me. You want to come to a basketball camp? I was like, I love basketball. I love basketball camp. I'm in. He lied. It was like a missionary charismatic camp. Now, to this point, I'd only seen like hymnals and organs when you did worship. These brothers had praise choruses. I know everybody does it now. Back then, it was radical. They were lifting their hands. We played basketball one time at lunch. <laughs> so if you've ever said like, hey, you know, I got bait and switch to some charismatic movement, me too. They didn't even know what, like, they're lifting hands. I was like, what's this all about? I was like, man, this is crazy. I don't even know. We're singing Keith Green songs. I don't even know. That's Keith Green. He's got a crazy afro. But I'm kind of into it. It surprised me. I was like, I didn't know any of this existed. But the weird thing was, I could sense God there. So all of a sudden, it wasn't about what I didn't understand. 
Like Jesus talked about in Matthew 5, like these guys in Acts 2, I was like, brothers, I don't know what this is. But if this is from God, I'm open to it. And in those moments, I encountered and experienced the Holy Spirit in a way that I didn't have a paradigm for, I didn't have a theological category for, I didn't know how to put into words, but I knew God was present and real in my life because I was hungry and open for more of God. The Holy Spirit's goal is not to make you feel weird or strange. That's not who he is. His goal is to fill you. And in our time before I pray for you, I want to make it as practical as I possibly can. You say, what does this all mean? Yeah, that's great that that was your experience. What does this have to do with me? Well, I think this. I think that if you'll press in with that same kind of a heart that's open and hungry, you'll be filled in a way that maybe you didn't expect, maybe you didn't anticipate. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, the first thing is this. We experience God's presence. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Okay, Jed, you're talking about it. We see it in Scripture. What could it look like in my life? Well, the first thing is this. We experience God's presence. And we hear it from many of you because people come into this environment from all different backgrounds. Maybe you grew up Catholic like my wife did or maybe... Like me, you have a Baptist background. There are many people who came from no church background at all. Maybe you're even an atheist. Whatever you are, it's great. We love having you with us and in this environment. But your background really kind of determines the, the language that you use when you're trying to describe what happens when we gather together. Sometimes people will say, well, that was a good service or that was a positive message or I felt warm or I felt it was a friendly environment. And what they're trying to say is, when I was in that place, I could feel God's presence. See, because the fact that you're here, the fact that you're even thinking about God is a sign that he's already been drawing you and calling you to himself. The great thing about God is he loves you, he cares about you. Even when you're not thinking about him, he's thinking about you. And he's wanting to fill you and meet with you and be with you because he loves you and he cares for you. Jesus was trying to teach a group of people about this in Luke 11. And he's talking to them about, well, how do you get to God? How do you do it? And he said, it's really simple. All you got to do is you got to ask and you got to seek and you got to knock. And if you do those things, you'll do it. And guys, he says, this is my paraphrase. You understand this because as dads, when your kids ask you for things, you don't torment them or, or, or be cruel to them. And you make mistakes. You're flawed. But my father's not like you. And when people want something from him, he gives generously. Look what it says. Luke 11 says this, how much more will your Father in heaven, look what he loves to give, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? All you got to do is ask. It sounds so simple. You say, Jed, well, what does that look like? Do you just sit there and ask? Well, I think it's helpful for us to think about it practically this way. How do you feel, how do you experience this? How do you receive the Holy Spirit on a daily basis? Because I really believe you can. Well, again, here's three simple ways that I'm going to move through these quickly. Three simple ways that you can receive the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. The first one is through his word, through God's word. You learn to recognize God's voice through his word. Again, the Holy Spirit isn't a rogue agent. He isn't out there doing random stuff. He does what God instructs. The Bible says that his role is to lead us and guide us into all truth. So he's not going to lead you away from God's word. He's going to lead you back to it. He's going to help you to understand it. You know, as a pastor and as a leader, I I'm concerned. i got to tell you, 
Really, I think biblical illiteracy, even amongst Christians, is on such the rise. We work really hard here every weekend to try and preach the Bible with passion and to preach it with intrigue, not so that you'll just be excited about it when you're in here, but when you go out there, that you'll read your Bible, that you'll spend time, that you'll pray the Word, that you'll think about the Word. Why? Because the Word shapes our hearts and it it helps us process our emotions. If you want to know, you say like, Jed, how does that even work? You say you hear the Holy Spirit's voice. Well, it's not, it's not magic. It's not mysterious. How do you learn to hear anybody's voice? You spend time with them and you recognize their voice. You know your friend's voice because you've heard it over and over. You know your spouse's voice. You know your parent's voice because you've heard it. In the same way with God, when we hear his voice, we understand him. This always baffles me. It's not really that complicated. You know, we're, we're exposed to so much information today. And that's not a bad thing. In so many ways, it can be good. We know what our friends are thinking. We know what they're doing. We have social media. We have so many messages. We have constant 24-7 news cycle. We have things all around us. And all those things are great. I'm a learner. I love to read and learn and study like you. But I place a priority on God's word above everyone else's. It's amazing to me how when I talk with someone and they're, Pastor Yen, I'm praying through this decision. Can you help me? I'm like, definitely. Let's talk about it. Well, have you been reading your Bible? No. Why would I do that? Well, what do you think God thinks about it? Well, I don't know. It feels like God's hiding. Well, if you feel like God's hiding in your life, let me give you a little hint. God's a dad like we're dads. What do all dads do with their little kids? We play hide and seek. And when you play hide and seek with your kids, unless you like spending a lot of time by yourself, there's this tension where you don't want to hide so simple that they find you really quick, but you won't, don't want to hide so hard that they can't ever find you because they give up quick. I learned this with my first one. I was like, this is the greatest, most complex hiding spot ever. And I was like there for a long time. So I'm like, Isabel, where are you? She's like, Daddy, I stopped playing. Where are you? I'm like, you're getting warmer. She's like, I'm bored with that, Dad. I was like, dang, I'm over here, you know, and And the funny thing is, God's the same way. If you're wondering where he's hiding, spoiler alert, he's hiding in his word. He's going, I'm over here. If you just look in the place, I always hide. That's the other thing about kids. You notice this? When they play hide and seek with you, when they find out where you hide, where's the very first place they hide next? Where you just hid. They're like, this is a good spot. That's how God's word works. When you find God in his word, you go, that's where I want to hide. Where's the second thing that we can get filled with God's spirit? It's through worship. Now, I'm going to say something that's a little strange, but I really believe this is true. The Holy Spirit is my friend. He's a really good friend. I spend time with him all the time. We talk every day. We hang out together. We like to do stuff together. And like you and I, we have friends, and most of your friends, you spend time with them based upon your interests, right? Like you have some friends that you like to go, maybe the ladies, you have friends that you like to go shopping with and you get coffee with, or you go to the movies with, or guys, we have friends that we go, maybe you go hunting with, and so I'm told, or maybe you play fantasy football or whatever you do, go to the movies. And sometimes you have things that overlap. Now, the Holy Spirit will watch football with me. He will. My wife doesn't always understand, but I'm trying to tell him, no, I'm spending time with the Holy Spirit watching football. God's presence is there. Or, or he'll, he'll go to the movies with me, and I'll just be watching a movie, and he'll speak to me about the movie. But I know what he wants to do. I know when we hang out, I know what he wants to do. He wants to worship. 
He loves to be, he wants to hang around in that environment where my heart is connected to Jesus, is connected to God, where he's encouraging me, where he's reminding me about what God says about me. You know the incredible thing, like any great friend, the Holy Spirit knows me better than I know myself. And I'm just like you. My emotions, my challenges, my feelings, my longings, my needs, I can get twisted. My perspective can get off. It can get wrong. I can start to think, well, they meant this, and they said this, and they're really after that. Who helps me out of that situation? It's the loving, patient voice of the Holy Spirit that goes, Jed, you're not seeing that right. Jed, how do you know that's true? Jed, you're jumping to conclusions. That's not who they are. That's not who you are. And only in that time am I able to process through what's empty in my tank and I come back to that place where I get full again. He does it for me. He'll do it for you. Here's the third thing. How do you get filled? Will you pray? You might say, well, Jed, I tried that, and after I pray for my food and I pray for our country and I pray for the church and I pray for my family, I don't know what to pray about. Well, the more you spend time with him in worship, the more you spend time with him in his word, the less it becomes about your list of things to pray for and the more it becomes about his heart. If you ask him, God, what's on your heart? Holy Spirit, show me what you care about. Help me to understand what I should be praying for. Help me to care about my neighborhood. How do you see my family? How do you see my friends? If you start asking instead of talking, you'll hear more and then you'll carry what he carries and you'll think about what he thinks about. And all of a sudden, here's the amazing thing. God's so smart. When you start praying about things that have nothing to do with you and your needs, he always comes back, even when you don't even ask him, starts working the stuff out that you're concerned and anxious and worried about. The more you get your mind off yourself and your needs and you start caring about somebody else in prayer, it's amazing how God begins to fill you back up. Two more things before I pray for you. So that's how you do it practically. How do you get filled? Here's another thing that happens when we do this. The second thing is this. He produces good fruit in us. Here's a famous verse you probably have heard before if you've been around church. Galatians 5.22. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know about you, but just reading the list wears me out. That's a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of hard work to have love and joy and peace and patience and kind. You mean one person's supposed to have all that? How, how much willpower will that require? How much energy will that require? But I love what the passage says. Maybe you've never even noticed this before. Who does it? Who makes it happen? You? By being a super Christian? By doing enough spiritual things that everyone notices how spiritual you are? No. How does those things happen in our life? The Holy Spirit produces them. See, we think sometimes, well, the Holy Spirit wants to make us abstract and just have these wild worship experiences. The Holy Spirit is very concerned with you having the character of Christ in your life, especially in those areas of relationship with the people that you see every day. He wants to produce in you the kind of fruit that makes people say, I don't know everything about that person, but one thing I know is they know God. They spend time with God. They're not perfect, but man, they're generous. They're loving. They're patient. Why? Because they just had a good day. Things are going right in their life. No, because the Holy Spirit is active and present in their lives, doing through them what they couldn't do on their own. I'll be the first to say, there's no way I can do half that list in my own strength. I'm just not that good. 
I can't be the dad my children need me to be. I can't be the husband my wife needs me to be. I can't be the friend my friends need me to be, much less a pastor or anything else. I'm not that strong. My willpower is not that good. But the Holy Spirit, present and active in me, can do things through me that I can't do on my own. See, in so many ways, we wear ourselves out. And when we are so concerned with what we're doing and all the righteous character that's coming out of our lives, we start noticing what everyone else is or isn't doing. But when we become aware of our need and ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, we know our shortcoming and we can extend grace and mercy to others. Which brings us to the last point. You say, Jed, it's great it does character, helps us to get closer, helps us to process through things. But is it just, do I take a class? Is this just more intellectual, cerebral understanding? Do I just, if I had the right information, could I be this way? A lot of times people see me and they think, well, that guy's smart. Or my friends will say, he's a really smart guy and he reads lots of books and you should listen to him. If there's any reason to listen to me, it's not because I read lots of books. It's not because I I like information. It's not because I like to talk and I talk a lot. If there's anything worth listening, it's not my words. It's not my intellect. See, I think sometimes we think, well, the Holy Spirit is anti-intellect. He always goes around it. It's not true. If there's anything worth saying, if there's anything valuable that's coming through me, it's not about intellect. God loves and believes. He wants us to worship with our mind. But more than anything, it's the power of God's Spirit working through the lives of ordinary people. The third thing he does is this. We receive his power when we spend time with him. I love what Paul says to the Thessalonians. He says this. He says, Our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction. Where does that passion come from? See, I I couldn't figure out, as a young child, I couldn't figure out when I, before I went to there, I had that wild Holy Spirit experience. It was like, I understood the information, and I understood it historically in the context of Jesus, and I knew it was something I was supposed to care about, but I couldn't bridge the gap between what I was understanding and learning and how I lived my life on a daily basis. Maybe you felt that way. We hear about that in our small groups. People go, that's good spiritual information, but what does it have to do with when I go to work? What does it have to do with when I'm with my kids? Well, it has everything to do with it because it's not just about the words or the information, it's about the power to actually do that. If you put the verse back up there again, you know how we lived among you for your sake. See, when you receive God's power, you don't have to have a fish on the back of your car, not that there's anything wrong with that. You don't have to have a bracelet. You don't have to have jewelry. Your life, the power that comes out of your life is evident to others. Not because you make no mistakes and you're super Christian, no. But because there's a presence in your life that's bigger than just you. I'm gonna pray for you, but before I do, here's the other thing about power. We, we have so many things in our lives that require power, don't we? We're always going like, hey, I need a charge. Where do I plug my phone in? Where's my laptop? How do I plug that in? All of our stuff that we depend on on a daily basis requires power to keep a charge. And the interesting thing about it is you and I are the same way. See, many of us here, you go, yeah, filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I remember When I was a young person, I I went to a a camp, I had an experience. Or there was a season in your life where you look back and you think, man, I was so close to God. And I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden I feel like I just drifted away. 
If you feel like that, don't feel guilty or ashamed. We've all been there. Some of us are there right now. Because the power that you had yesterday from God and his presence was meant for yesterday. It wasn't meant for today. And the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is every day you can be filled. Every day you can plug in. Every day that power is available to you. You know, as a dad, when you come home and you've had a long day at work and you still got stuff that you're thinking about and you go and you, you get to that door and you're thinking, my kids are going to need me, my wife's going to need me. Where does that power come from? Not from willpower. Dads, I encourage you, when you go to that door, when you close that car door, when you walk in your home, say, Holy Spirit, I'm tired. You know my needs, but you know my family and you know how I love them. Would you bridge the gap? Would you fill me beyond my ability to be the dad, to be the husband you've created me to be? Maybe it's when you're going to work. Maybe you feel exhausted and tired, like you got nothing to give and you go into that boardroom and you're like, I got a presentation and I'm running on fumes. Holy Spirit, I'm doing this for you. I want to honor you. I want the people I work with to know this isn't about an ideology. It's about a God who loves them and who's present. Mom, when that mountain of laundry just never seems to go away and the kid pickup never stops and you're like, is this all my life has become? Don't just trust in your own power. Maybe you're retired. Maybe you're an empty nester. You're wondering, what, what, what is it all for? Why did I get to this point in my life? Holy Spirit is present and available for you. Young person, it's never been more difficult to be a young person who lives for God. Don't try to do it in your own strength. Tap into that power that's available for you every day. Let's pray. Jesus, we recognize our need. Lord, we're containers. Every one of us filled with emotions and hopes and dreams and desires and longings. Lord, and maybe we've even been filled in the past. But Lord, every day we come to you with a new need, with a new longing to be filled. God, we sense your presence. Not, not my words, not my stories or my illustrations, Lord. We, we, we sense what we really need is your presence. Maybe you're here and you've never had a relationship with God. All you simply got to do is say, Jesus, I need you. I want you. I, I repent of the bad choices that I've made. I repent of trying to be good enough on my own. And I trust and put my hope in you. Maybe you've prayed that prayer. You know the Holy Spirit. You know his voice. He's calling you back. In this moment, he's saying, you know those other things can't fill you like I can. They're not bad. I'm not distant from you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not angry at you. But I'm here ready to do what no person can do, to do what no moment can do, to do what no experience can do. I'm here to fill you with what you were designed to carry. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that all we have to do is ask that our loving Father gives us his spirit in an abundant way. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com.